met so many VCs. Again, through the accelerator, we got to meet lots of VCs, and I, I just couldn't get on with any of them. They, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me, but um, yeah. Whereas when we met Kevin and the angel investors. They're just like down-to-earth people who run businesses and do a good job of it. And that's what I really admire and really like. Whereas a lot of the VCs we met when we were meeting, sorry, metting, just invented a new word. Um, a lot of the VCs we were meeting just had, like a lot of them didn't have any business experience at all. And they sit there telling you what to do. It's like, no, no, thank you. Hi. And welcome to The Struggle, a production of the SaaS Revolution Show and brought to you by SaaStock. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and on this month's episode, we speak with Hannah Chaplin, co-founder and CEO of Receptive, a SaaS company that helps other SaaS companies make the most of product feedback and turn it into insights that can help them grow. Receptive is Hannah's fourth company, the second which is SaaS. She's been an entrepreneur since the age of 21 and knows all too well the struggles of starting a company, but also the exhilaration. Her first SaaS company, Order Harmony, was her learning ground about all things SaaS, from the basic metrics to the marketing, the pricing, running a product and gathering feedback. The experience was priceless, but the company never really took off. Four years ago, it morphed into Receptive. Her greatest challenge has been the nagging question whether a product feedback platform is a sustainable business. Even as customers signed up for Receptive, Hannah still struggled with the doubts if this was a viable idea. What helped her is the numbness to negative feelings she had developed through the years by having taken so many risks in her previous companies. As all the guests on the struggle, I have the utmost respect for Hannah and her ability to get comfortable with being scared all the time and never giving up. As we mark International Women's Day on March the 8th at SASDOC, we celebrate all the remarkable women of SAS who push through the challenges of starting and running businesses, all the while growing families, families in some cases, and dealing with a myriad of other responsibilities, helping make the SAS universe a better place. You can see Hannah and many other incredible women like her at SASDOC 19 in Dublin this October, as well as our global series of events with SASDOC LATAM in Sao Paulo this April, SASDOC Asia in Hong Kong this May, SASDOC East Coast in New York this June, SASDOC West Coast in San Francisco this September, uh, and SASDOC Australasia in Sydney in December. Find out more about uh, each conference, uh, head over to sas.com forward slash events. If you've, your heart's set on Dublin for sas.19, uh, be sure to sign up for our insider sale to get early access for our two-for-one tickets uh, at sas.com forward slash insiders. Now on with the show. Welcome to uh, The Struggle, uh, Hannah Chaplin, uh, CEO and co-founder of Receptive. How's it going, Hannah? I'm all right. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me. Nice to catch up with you again. Indeed. I think we, we bumped into each other in snowy Ottawa when my, uh, I was wearing inappropriate footwear, <laughs> uh, but you were fully uh, equipped in like uh, Antarctic. Uh, I, was, I was ready for that weather. I did like your trainers though, but yeah, yeah. it was quite funny. Did yeah. you get cold feet? I got, I got very cold feet, very fleshy, <laughs> cold feet, and it was uh, it was a bit stupid. I'm I'm just not very good at that sort of thing. Uh, but I did I did appreciate that you 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 had actually done some sort of research and got kitted out. Oh yeah, I, I had a friend who worked out um, out there for a while, um, working for a games company as a games developer. So he lived in Edmonton for five years. So I, I messaged him on LinkedIn. I was like, I need help. I've never been to Canada. It's going to be cold. So I got all like the top top tips. Um, so yeah, it was quite warm. I was quite happy with the footwear choice. Good, good. Well, I, I, I live and learn on, on that one. Um, but moving from f- footwear to, to, <laughs> to yourself, a good, a good segue uh, there. Um, t- tell us, obviously, you've been on the podcast before. So those yeah. uh, that have listened to that episode uh, and, or that know of you as you're, you're doing the conference circuit uh, sort of the, the, these days as well, um, so certainly, you know, putting yourself out there. But, you know, who, who is Hannah Chaplin for, for those that have never uh, met or heard of you before? That is a, that is a question I ask myself daily. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm the co-founder and CEO of Receptive, like Alex said, and we help um, other B2B SaaS companies make the most of the product feedback they get and kind of turn it into insights that they can actually use to, to grow the business. So that's a kind of, that's the work Hannah Chaplin um, it's my it's my third or fourth company. I've been starting companies since I was twenty one. 
Um, so I've had a lot of struggles, <laughs> is the summary probably. Awesome. Well, let, let's, uh, I think that should be good. It's a, a, actually, that was a good reminder uh, that you, you have started, you know, as you said, this is your fourth company. And I, I think I, re- I remember some of the anecdotes, you know, from uh, the, the previous companies, which actually, yeah. like, if you're happy to discuss them, um, they, they would make for kind of interesting uh, a, a sort of listening and, and learning yeah, uh, as well. Not so, not just the focus around uh, sort of receptive. But so, so your, your fourth company, is this your first SaaS company? It's the second SaaS company. Um, so I'd worked before, like I started um, working for a, a software agency. So my first business was my own development agency. Um, but I always wanted a product. And, you know, this is going back a, a lot of at least 10 years ago now. Um, but even even then, I, I, I'd get frustrated that I'd like build something or we'd, we'd create something we were really happy with. And then you essentially like just throw it out the door to the customer, which is nice. It's nice if they're happy, but you don't see it again. So I was really fascinated by the idea of like, I'd love to have a product that you continually kind of work on and, and grow and get better. Um, so I did a SaaS company, again, it's long ago. Gosh, I don't even know how many years ago now. But uh, we built like um, an order management stock control system. So we did that for a few years. Uh, when I say we, that's me and my co-founder, uh, Dan, because it's our third company together. He's not fed up of me yet. Not sure why. Um, and then out of the problem we had with managing feedback at that business came Receptive. Um, and we've been running Receptive for about four years now. So, so the the order management SaaS uh, stop, yeah. uh, whatever it, it was uh, uh, <laughs> the, the, the SaaS product. Well, what was yeah. the name? What was the name of that business? And why <clears throat> why did you why did you stop with that business? Was it because you created you, you saw uh, you know this need for receptive created that and thought oh like this looks much bigger kind of problem and more interesting or what happened there? Yeah, it was it was exactly that. So it was called Order Harmony, and it was quite a small company. We didn't have anywhere um, near the traction we've got here at Receptive, but it was just such a good learning experience. Like we'd never, like Dan and I, were so new to to SaaS, and even little things that you totally take for granted when you've done it for a while, like understanding the you know basic SaaS metrics and things like that. Um, you know, that's something you've got to learn when you're starting out. Um, so it was a brilliant experience, you know, how to run a product, how to manage the feedback well, how SaaS metrics work, um, how to do your marketing, like paid ads, all this, all these things we've never done before. Um, and then, yeah, we had a, we had a great time doing that. Um, but I think it just got to the point where it was trundling along and this opportunity, like we'd created a, um, a prototype for receptive in that business. And then we just got really, really excited about it. I can't explain it any other way we just saw such a big opportunity and it was something we were both like really into so um we were like right let's let's give this a go it seemed too good an opportunity to miss you know no absolutely i i, I believe receptive and, and sastock are kind of a similar age in in, in terms of uh um I, we first connected when i was doing like the SaaS meetups in london and like receptive was just a few months old i think you know yeah uh, at yeah the, at, at the time and and then SaaS was born you know a little bit later i i, I guess uh, so obviously you know followed um your path and journey in, in those kind of early days um like how did you how did you fund the company uh, what were the challenges that you that you had? Like once you uh, you, you had the idea, you created the the product. It's you and Dan. You mm-hmm. know now you've got to get, get it to market. You know what were the challenges that you had in like the first six months, first year of the of, of the business? I think the the initial challenge, which actually didn't really go away until maybe eighteen months ago, which sounds odd. It's like, is this going to work? Um, like it was like a a very fundamental question um because the whole feedback space and product feedback as a market is so new and it felt like we were doing something in a way that well we were were doing something in a way that no one's ever done before so the question I had for so long which I battled with was like does anyone want this like is this actually a sustainable uh business idea we just didn't know um, so we did we did quite a lot of research the first six months, just talking to other uh, other SaaS companies and working out what the pain points were and if we could solve it. And 
and that sort of thing. But yeah, that, that didn't go away for a long time. Even when we had customers, I'd be like, well, we've not closed a really big deal yet. So I still don't know if this is actually going to work or not. Um, did you ever feel like that about SaaS stock? Did you ever feel like, is this actually ever going to work? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think I, I was probably, I was very positive but petrified at the same time. That obviously yes. it <laughs> fail, right? Because if it, if it did fail, I, you know, I'd be in for a lot of money. It's a big risk, you know. Like we all take sort of risk by starting our own businesses. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, but if we didn't get, you know, well, we didn't need to get seven hundred people at the first conference, but we yeah. did. But you know, right up until because often you, you know people um, uh, when attending conferences or buying you know tickets for conferences, you, you know, a large proportion of tickets you know come in that the, the final sort of stages. So you are yeah. sweating. You are sweating a lot. Like to see if that if those sales come in and like you're losing like uh, in the conference business just losing money like you know right up until like yeah. the time of the conference and like is it going to break even are we going to lose money are we going to make money um so it, it's it, it's quite a stressful i think business to be in so i was was often petrified that yeah you know th- this might not work right absolutely yeah definitely and, and like you say you sink a lot of time and a lot of money and so I, th- I think by the point we started receptive i was quite I don't know if numb is the right way to describe it, but I think I'd taken so many risks and done and been in so many sticky situations. I didn't feel as uncomfortable as I used to. I don't think I'd got quite comfortable with feeling scared. <laughs> probably <laughs> is the way to put it. Um, and I was just kind of like trying to enjoy it. But I think as it gets bigger and like we actually took angel funding to get us off the ground. We, we lived off savings that Dan and I had um so there was like living off our savings and that obviously only lasts for like a few months if you're lucky um and then we raised a, an angel round and we've got some amazing like, really supportive angel investors because they're so amazing and supportive you do feel that pressure of wow okay i better make this work now because i've taken someone else's money and they believe in this so i better go and do a good job um and i think some of that comes from it's just a normal human thing isn't it you don't want to let people down um, and you want to do you want to do a good job, so I guess that it does get very real very quickly, doesn't it? When you start, yeah, absolutely. Money and, and, and both, I mean, like we we've both got family, right? We both got kids, yeah, yeah. and um, I think actually, like when I when I started SaaS stock, uh, my my first kid, she was uh, well, she was uh, uh, still uh, you know a bun in the oven, or you know she she hadn't been yeah. born, she hadn't been born yeah. yet. So, so the, like the risk that I took was well you know i'm going to start this business but actually we're going to lose the 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 only you know um regular income that we have in the household and if it doesn't work you know obviously there there, there could be sort of negative um you know consequences um but basically you know i took away the, the 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 only income that that we had you know at a time that wasn't necessarily you know appropriate but did you like for you 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 know um where you've you've got kids, you're starting this business. Uh-huh. Did you did were you uh, I guess like worried, concerned? Did you ever think about hey, you know maybe I shouldn't do this and I should just you know get a job and a solid job and do something else? Or are you just kind of like absolutely no, like I'm just an entrepreneur <laughs> and you know I, I I'm never I'm not going to work. For someone. How, how was it for you? Yeah, I guess uh, yeah. Dan and I have been really bad at. Well, we tend to start a company and have a baby at the same time. Um, Dan and I marry different people, just to clarify. But he's got three children of his own, and I've got two. Um, like, luckily, I had my kids uh, like really young. So by the time I was thirty, I'd like both kids were in school and stuff. So for me, receptive like came at a good time I think I've really been able to throw everything into it because the kids are older um but Dan's third child was like born as we started receptive um, so there was a few weeks um where I was a bit um we were a bit nervous I guess as you are there's a new baby coming right and and at that point we were actually um to get receptive off the ground we joined an accelerator program up in Newcastle so we were both commuting up to Newcastle a couple of days a week Dan's baby was born. I was then going to Newcastle on my own and I found that really daunting because it was the first time I felt like I'd really been out the house since I'd had kids, which sounds <laughs> which sounds daft, but I think it took, it really took a while for my confidence to build. Um, and then gradually, it gets better, doesn't it, and easier as the kids get older because you've got two kids yourself now as well, haven't you? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are, are you out of the kind of small kid stage or how well, old are your kids? I've forgotten. 
No, I mean, I've, I've got a two and a half and a, and a four-year-old. I'm yeah. uh, at least the sleep has, uh, has gotten better. I think one of, oh, the, the, one of the hardest things I, I found is I'll be starting the business, having two kids in two, <coughs> two and a half years uh, or even less. And, um, uh, yeah, like when you start a business and you're not getting sleep for like two years, it, it's, uh, it, it didn't, you know, it doesn't do wonders for your health. So I ended up putting on a, a, a lot of weight uh, through just sort of being tired and, you know, not exercising and eating all bad things. So, uh, that wasn't, that wasn't good, but now getting the sleep back, you, you know, I feel like the health uh, and you know, exercise and all of that is coming in. So it's vitally important. I think, you know, if yeah. you're running a business to, to be healthy, um, and, you know, to try and well um and to exercise and you know we hear that the commonality in everybody that i interview for the SaaS revolution show like you know pretty much all the founders and ceos they're um you, you know obsessed with like you know getting good sleep and you know doing exercise and looking after the mind and, uh, and stuff like that so yeah you, you can't, oh, I, can't yeah. ignore that side of things you mentioned the accelerator uh there so i, I have sort of vague memories of, of this this one in, in in newcastle what was it called yeah. It was called Ignite. Okay, is um, it still, still going? Yeah, I think the formats. I, I don't keep a close eye on it, to, to be fair, but I think the format has changed. But the time we did it, it, it was kind of like a, um, it was like run in Newcastle. Um, so that hence you know the commuting up, up and down there. Um, but yeah, it was it was really helpful. It gave us the headspace to um, kind of crack on with the prototype and you know time to do the research and everything. So yeah, it it was a good experience. I don't I don't think I'd do it again. But it was fun at the time. Why, why wouldn't you do it again? Because you're just more experienced now or like... Yeah, yeah I, I guess so. I think it came at the right time for us and, and Dan had been through the programme before and it just, it was the right decision at the time. But yeah, I mean, you know, obviously when you've, when you've been doing this for, for a while, um, I think it's very, very good if it's your first... Uh, business or your first SaaS company because you get a lot of support around you know things I mentioned earlier the fundamentals of a SaaS company you get you get that support and and the basics down but I think if you've done it before I think there are programs for more experienced people and you know when your companies reach a certain stage but um I think it's a good thing to look at if you're just starting out. Uh, A couple of things that you'd said uh, sort of earlier or mentioned earlier around um, you took some angel money in, right? And you guys have, you're sort of bootstrapped, but you've taken some like, you know, private uh, uh, sort of money in, um, as I I understand. I don't know, have you got VC investment or is it it private individuals? Uh, Private individuals. I I didn't want to go the VC route. I've got very strong opinions about that. Okay, well, (laughs) I'm going to ask about that. Oh, I think um, I remember. I think you've raised like you, you know, kind of like one, one or two sort of you know rounds or tranches from these private individuals. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. saying like typically the the uh, what you see like online and like with people with within their their kind of network, somebody raises money and everybody says congratulations, well mm-hmm. done. You know, because again, it, it's it's not easy to raise money. So I think no, in, part, in part people congratulate you for like you know you, you've you've gone through a process you've raised money to kind of help you to continue to build your products and platform. Um, I, I think I remember like, I congratulated you for raising like, you, you know, uh, some money and um, I, I, your response was quite interesting because you, you said, Oh, like, you know, I'm not necessarily particularly like happy uh, about giving away or, you know, part of my business. So I, you know, I've never, I don't like, I don't really want the kind of, you know, the, the congratulations because you know, <laughs> for, for, for me, giving away part of my business is not necessarily something to celebrate, right? Um, and I don't, is that still your, your kind of, like, uh, viewpoint uh, uh, around that? Um, uh, yeah, well, I, I guess. I think it's very different here in the UK to raising money in the States, though, for example. Mm. Um, I've just, yeah, I think I just got, We'd met so many VCs. Again, through the accelerator, we got to meet lots of VCs, and I, I just couldn't get on with any of them. They, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me, but um, yeah. Whereas when we met Kevin and the angel investors, they're just like down to earth people who run businesses and do a good job of it, and that's what I really admire and really like. Whereas a lot of the VCs we met when we were meeting, sort of netting, just invented a new word. Um, a lot of the VCs we were meeting just had, like, a lot of them didn't have any business experience at all, and they sit there telling you what to do. It's like, no, no, thank you. Um, 
And I very much like focusing on the product and the customers and the team. That's what I really, really enjoy doing. Um, and I think if, you know, if we ever wanted to raise VC money, we'd have to get someone to, someone to come and do it because it's just not, it doesn't float my boat at all. And don't get me wrong, you know this yourself as a founder, you do so many crap things that you do not want to do. You crack on and you do them. But raising money, it's just, yeah, I, I think we couldn't have had better investors and I'm still really pleased we took the decision uh, we, we did because, we, we, you know, I've just spent four years building a business, making a brilliant product and it's going really well and I wouldn't change that. So it, it, it's more of, let's say, the you don't enjoy fundraising and the VCs that you did meet uh, weren't, you know, the right people, but you don't rule, yeah. out, don't rule out in the future raising money if if needed um uh, but if you did raise money maybe you'd want somebody else to do the fundraising yeah definitely i don't think you should ever rule anything out you should do what's right for you um and i think it would have been different if we were based in in the states i think there's a very different um vc seems to be done very very differently over there from you know friends and people i know who've, who've raised there versus here like you know, I've got friends in the uk who've spent three four years raising a few hundred thousand pounds seed round it's just insane um, that they're just a lot more risk averse. I don't, does any of this ring true with you? Am I, am I just embarrassing nonsense? No, 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 no. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's 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 an interesting uh, topic, and probably uh, again, like, well, we, we can certainly do a whole uh, you know podcast uh, uh, or more, you know, around it. Um, uh, getting back to uh, the the other point that you, or you mentioned. Uh, uh, where my, my ears sort of like pricked up around sticky situations, right? And, um, uh, you, you know, are there kind of any sticky situations that you went through that you're kind of happy to share uh, uh, so that perhaps, like, you know, people can learn from it or avoid or, you, you know, maybe it's just kind of like interesting. Uh, um, what, were, what were those that you were kind of like referring to if you happen to discuss? Um, I, can, I can I can skirt around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't I don't want to put you in too awkward like position or maybe. No, I guess like uh, I think one mistake I made with another business was like having a a bad co-founder. Mm. That that did not end well. That was that was a mess. Like financially, it was a disaster. Um, so it took a while to to kind of get over that and, and sort things out. So I think you've got to your co-founder's got to be someone you like just completely trust and I've been so lucky to work with Dan for for so long um I trust him completely and he's amazing so I'd say you know don't don't rush to get a co-founder it really has to be the right person because that got me in a really really bad situation at at, at one point um because you brought a co-founder on later didn't you I, I did but it it, it was also I, I guess the the story there is because before Sasdoc or the, the registered com- uh, the company is uh, Sascribe Media, and obviously Sasdoc was kind of born out of Sascribe, which was you yeah. know, the the the, the, the Sas blog that I was doing and the podcast which we're still doing, which is now obviously the Sas Revolution Show. Um, and uh, Mike, uh, who's my uh, co-founder now, he was my co-founder for Sas- for Sascribe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and then, but this was pre-revenue, right? and uh, we didn't necessarily know that we 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 were building this audience, and it was going to be a conference, uh, you know, uh, uh, type business where the the majority of the revenue comes from. Um, and we built this audience quite quickly. You know, built a network, um, and he got a really good job offer off the back of this, and we weren't earning any money. Right. Okay. And, and, I, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, you'd, be, you'd be mad not to take it. Uh, because we, I don't know where this is going, and um, so he took that job, and you know, uh, and actually in that in in this sort of period of time, has had you know uh, a, a good career, you know, within uh, like three years of like promotions, running you know, uh, running marketing for software companies, uh, and I, at, for that whole period, I lacked you know kind of joint leadership, like really needed somebody that you know could be my sort of co-founder to take some of the weight off my shoulders, right, because. I only really, you, you know, all the problems that you have as an entrepreneur, whether it's financial or people or whatever, I only really had myself and my mind, you, you know, to kind of talk with mm-hmm. and, and deal with it. And so there was a lot of weight and stress on, on my shoulders, right? 
Uh, and then instantly, uh, well, last year, I think we were having a few drinks in Dublin, and I said to Mike, like, you, you know, why don't you come back? And, you, you know, um, I kind of made him an offer, like, too good to refuse. Uh, and um, so we got the process of him, you know, coming back to, well, Sastock, uh, uh and um yeah just immediately like you you know like he you fitted in like he'd never been away uh the, a lot of the weight a lot of the burden and stuff on my plate was taken off and just like i'm, I'm just a lot happier you know for it so um so 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 far yeah. so, so good uh, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know how people can be like solopreneurs or you know just they're uh, you, you know running a business on your own i know i know people can can do it and maybe they're the type of people that don't necessarily work well with, you know, uh, a, a co-founder. But I think in the most cases, you know, most of the the people that we have on the show, most of the successful SaaS companies, they all have a co-founding team. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I don't know how people do it on their own because, you know, just having that someone to talk to who understands everything and what you're going through or um, like Dan and I are very, very opposite on a lot of things. But I think that's to the benefit of the company. Um, because we kind of meet somewhere in the middle or I'll go, yeah, actually, Dan, you were right. Or I'll be like, yes, Han, you were right. And I think just having that back and forth around big decisions helps an awful lot. Um, or someone just to be like, tell you to get a grip sometimes. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I think it it's massively beneficial having someone to look, you know, to look out for and someone to look out for you, definitely. Um, I don't think I could manage on my own at all. <laughs> Do do you ever or have you ever clashed with uh, your co-founder or, or or Dan and then? Oh yeah, yeah. all the time, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and how, how do you, how do you resolve that? Do you do, do you not speak to each other for a day, or do you just is it health healthy confrontation and, and conflict? Yeah, it's it's hel- it's definitely healthy. I mean, sometimes it's massively frustrating. Like, oh, I didn't just do this, oh. and I'm sure he feels the same about me. But we always talk it through, and we always get there. And I, like I said, I never see it as a negative thing. Mm. We always see it as a constructive conversation to get us to where we need to be. You know, there's never any shouting or um, having a huff and not talking for days or any of that sort of thing. Um, I think we've like we've work together so long we've just got this way of working and um yeah it's, it's no never negative always constructive but it is frustrating sometimes is the best way I can describe it but um yeah I think it's a positive thing did you, did you ever have uh or have you know have you had any like challenges and struggles around um you know getting customers and, and you know in in the early days uh, around like the, the you know winning those those first customers the first 10 um you know that weren't like friends and family oh yeah I mean gosh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's just it, it's everything is it? it's trying to learn to to do everything and again I think with receptive because it was so different we were having to kind of sell people on this idea and then the product it's not like you're selling a CRM and people know what a CRM is generally it's something completely different so there's been a lot of convincing to do i guess along the way but it's you know it's getting easier definitely definitely yeah so there there is i guess it's like category creation you know companies like yourselves companies like gainsight and uh, i mean category creation is quite sort of hot topic sort of like it's difficult because if you're you you have a new uh, a new product or a new crack category and as you said you have to educate people around what this is and why they would use it um like what were the things that you did uh to to kind of like overcome um I, yeah. I, the, the issue that like people didn't realize that there there was a need or you know for what this category is and why they would need the product yeah I think a lot of it has just been um like being really persistent and demonstrating value and we do things like um like on the product side we've built uh like an ROI like return on investment dashboard into the product because people still don't realize the benefit of managing feedback properly so we've just we've just built it in i was like right let's just let's just build it in let's show people you know where the efficiencies are what time they're saving how engaged the customers are how happy the customers are um so we like took that very conscious decision to actually physically build it into the product so they can see um you know the impact um it's having in their company and that's been a, a really smart move um and then the second part of that i think has been content just talking to people like doing a lot of writing doing a lot of research white papers podcasts and 
through that whole experience, we've learned so much as well. Um, absolutely tons, which again, we've folded back into the product, um, which has been, which has been great. And, you know, those early customers take a, a real gamble with you. Um, and we've just stayed really close, really customer focused and helped kind of learn and develop best practices with them along the way. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, definitely a mission, isn't it? Yeah. Is it, is it, uh, all, uh, all inbound? So like you're creating all this content and, um, education, you know, around this, this sort of category, your podcast yeah. and, and, and blogs, et cetera. Um, are, are your customers, are they just finding you online? Cause they have this, you know, they're, they're searching for a particular kind of, pro, uh, you know, problem. Um, or do you have a field sales team? Like how, how are you, how are you uh, finding these customers? Yeah. So it's mainly been inbound from the content. Um, one thing um, that I would have liked to have done sooner that we've only just started doing is, is hired uh, outbound sales. We've got our first proper salesperson, if you like. Not proper. Um, that's the wrong word. <laughs> that sounds so insulting. Oh, my gosh. Um, our first kind of like outbound salesperson, Hayley, who is amazing. Um, and I've really seen and understood the impact of outbound sales. Um, and our angel investor, Kevin, actually, oh my goodness, for years, he'd bang on about it. Outbound sales, outbound sales. I was like, yes, Kevin, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. And he's so right. You you totally need inbound and outbound in, in balance. And we've just started on that outbound journey. And, you know, I'm really excited to, to see where that goes, really. Um, so, yeah, let's keep building that out for sure. Do, um, like other challenges, just aside from, you know, getting customers, um, like what about, people kind of hiring like cash flow um you know what 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 have kind of like the the key ones that you've experienced like over the last like four years with receptive yeah i think hiring's the big one isn't it that's for you know that applies to everyone i think the the biggest thing i learned with hiring i think we're, we're pretty good at hiring. i mean the team we've got now everyone's fantastic but we've had occasions where people haven't been quite the right fit and one thing I've definitely learned is to like act on that sooner rather than later because it's it's really really toxic. All you need is one person, and it can affect everybody. And then you don't necessarily realise until that person's gone how negative of an impact they were having. Um, so I think that was definitely a really big lesson. Like it's better to have nobody than just someone you know to make do and and also just to tr- trust my gut instinct a bit more with that stuff i tend to know very very quickly if someone's gonna uh do well and fit in and and that and i think it takes a bit of time to trust that instinct because people give you little glimmers of hope right you're like oh oh they're getting it yes they're gonna they're gonna be great and then you kind of sweep all the bad stuff under the carpet and i think that's a really bad thing to do um yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. And I mean, interestingly, actually, um, you know, I, I certainly uh, believe that you know the people and, and you know, I mean, hiring and then you know, people was like a, a, a real sort of key part of any successful business. Um, some of the stats I've actually sort of seen and heard this week. So I actually I was listening to the podcast, um, this Zero to IPO podcast uh, this morning, and Mark Andreessen, uh, you know, was the guest on it. Uh, and he he said, um, you, you know, it, it's ninety percent people, right, uh, or or even more than ninety percent people, in ter- uh, you, you know. And so the actual kind of like product in the market, you know, is, is actually, um, you, you know, much less of a, a, a factor in in building a successful company. Uh, and interestingly, uh, I saw a David Cancel tweet. Um, uh, uh, and he was like, he said, ninety nine percent people, you know, one percent like products. Um, uh, which was which was again in- interesting, but I think yeah, yeah. Like the, the importance of just getting great people, you, you know, in into the business and the success on the business uh, is, is I think yeah, everybody that's kind of listening, like you, you know, got to got to factor that in and you, you know make decisions, you know, early on to to you know, I guess you know exit people from the company if they're uh, not performing if they're you know having a poor um, uh, or a negative impact on culture um, you know these things can kill you know uh, a business and you, you know I've been guilty of um, I guess as a first-time entrepreneur like you know learning all around this and you, you know letting people kind of like hang around like too long 
um, when they're either not performing or, you, you know, having a bad kind of impact and, uh, um, yeah, you know, kind of lessons learned and getting much better as now entering into the fourth year of, uh, um, you, you know, building the, the team and uh, I guess the hiring and firing part of it um, uh, as well. Yeah, definitely. And when it's painful, it's what, like nobody likes firing somebody else, even no matter how old they yeah. are. It's a horrible thing to do, but you've got to, yeah, the big thing I do is like get over it because I'm generally good at avoiding confrontation and I've had to learn to be a bit more like head on with things and a bit more like right I'm going to deal with this and just doing it quickly because like I said if you don't it's not only the detriment to you but it's like the rest of the team as well and therefore the business but yeah I agree with that it's totally the people um I think one thing I've not heard too many talk about one thing I've certainly seen is um you do you can get people who really like those really early startupy days and then they never evolve as the company grows and that can cause some real pain um so it's quite a task to bring people along with you and mm. and we've certainly had some growth but just even little process things like when we started we had like um one type of this is just a trivial example but like we had a a particular sort of holiday policy and then as we've grown we've realized certain things about the policy we had didn't work so we've had to change it and that caused a lot of aggro with the early employees and little things like that you don't realize till it happens um but you've got to be constantly evolving and growing and some teams and entrepreneurs want to keep the business really small but if you're someone who's constantly pushing and striving you want the business to get bigger and bigger and bigger and more people and this sort of thing then you do get little you know you get growing pains around things like that and I never expected that was a bit of a a surprise I guess yeah no 100% I mean a quick sort of like anecdote on that you you know I think like one of one of the early you know SASOC employees who you you know is is no longer you know uh, with us uh, you know in the early days when we were like two three people right you you know there was we because of the size of the team, you know, clearly the obvious thing was we're communicating all the time and speaking, you know, every day and, you know, like uh, uh, every day and often over, over Slack. And as, as we started to grow, you know, they started to complain, well, I'm not getting as much time, you know, with you, Alex, and not as much like one-on-one time. And you know, the business was growing and, and to the point where, you know, yes, then we would speak like, you know, once a week, um, you know, have a one-to-one, but we would obviously uh, you know, speak like more often than that, but still, I think they, you know, felt that it was like, uh, an issue that we, it wasn't like it was in the early days, you know, when, when we first like started out and it's like, well, that's obvious, right? We're growing, the company's growing, like, you know, we're now sort of, you know, managing 20 people and, you know, who knows in, you know, in the future, if it would be 50 or a, or a hundred, right. We're not going to have that kind of same sort of level of access and people kind of need to, you know, adapt uh, to that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 100% agree we found exactly that and the way we've got around, I, I'm not sure if you've done anything like this but one way we kind of brought everyone along to where we needed to be was we created a employee handbook I guess this is culture right so we created an employee handbook and it's got everything in there and um Dan and I put everything down everyone got chance to review it and, and contribute it and it's got just everything you know from like more mundane stuff to like the office keys to like what happens if you're having a baby what happens if you're sick what happens if you need to request flexible working what about holidays and we do we're just like oh we've you reach a point don't you where you need that structure and that process so everyone understands where they stand and what's expected um yeah so, uh, yeah, uh, do that. 100% and, and, and us as a business I mean so uh, again I feel like uh, re- repeating myself but um you know four years we're four years into the journey and only now actually are we starting to really kind of put the processes in mm-hmm. um uh, and generally it's just because I, i'm not the type of person that enjoys dealing with processes and i just prefer to like focus on sales and marketing and that that kind of thing yeah. um so, so we we've got away with it but you see the value of of, of processes uh, and then when you look at like again like super smart, uh, I'm sure we're both super smart, but the super <laughs> super super smart people like David Darman in right at Hotjar, who one of the you, you know one of the things, and maybe they had to because they're a remote company, but uh, he talks about you know uh, like from day one, like from the beginning, having all these processes in place. And I was like, "Oh, you're mad! Like, who? Like, why? Why would you kind of, you know, need to do, or you know, or have all these processes in place? You know, for, from day one, document everything. Um, but you know, they're flying, right? So, 
um, clearly it, 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 it works um, and, and they kind of recognize that early and um, uh, so yeah you know good, good on them so I guess like moral of the story you know if you can get you know processes in early and you know things like that um, then, um, then then try and do so yeah, um, do, do you like outside I mean or maybe it is the the angel investors and the private individuals when you mentioned Kevin Bills um, uh-huh. uh, as well but like where do you go for advice? Have you had mentorship, you know, um, yeah. is, is, and, and how valuable has that been for you? Yeah, good good question. I think, like, I think everyone needs at least one person they can rely on. So, um, like, at work, it's definitely, um, well, it's, it's all different members of the team, but it's, it's certainly Dan who are lean on heaviest. Um, and then at home, it's... Um, it's Gareth, I guess. He gets an earful a lot about <laughs> about what's going on, you know. And he's re- he's really really supportive. And and sometimes you just need a little rant, don't you? And it helps. Um, so you know those two people mainly. But then outside of that, I don't think you should ever take for granted things like you know just going to knock about with your friends for a few hours can do you the world of good. Um, in I guess that's kind of mentorship in a in a way um i guess you know getting outside the office doing something different that's really helpful well, i guess um, that's kind of like yeah. ther- therapeutic sort of mentorship yeah. and everybody needs that to, to unload but have you got have you ever had like anything more like from a sort of exec coach sort of style or that, that kind of you know advice around you know what do i do in this situation you know in yeah. business like in, uh who, who have you had anything around that um i guess kevin is yeah we're right kevin's the the closest definitely because he's mm. done it before and he's brilliant so like you know an hour with Kevin now and again is is fantastic. It's brilliant, and um, I know Dan talks to uh, his mate Matty Lanham at Gecko Labs um, yeah. a lot. Matt's fantastic, and he's his company's a, a bit ahead of ours. So just having someone now and again you can talk a problem through with, or you know, there are, their story's a little bit ahead of yours, and learning off them it's it's great. And I find it doesn't need to be a lot, and it doesn't need to be many people. Um, but I think just having somebody there um someone you know you can ring is is a huge help um have you got many people that you kind of do that with so uh so well uh, starting you, you know a bit more like uh, in, in the last year so like first two years i didn't and i wish yeah. i i wish i'd had a mentor like from day one and somebody that had been there and done that because uh, then it, i would have you know avoided a lot of mistakes and just somebody who can kind of look at like what you're doing just provide that advice and uh, would have been like amazingly beneficial so my recommendation is like you know like if you can get a mentor or an advisor somebody that's done you know what you're doing or you know generally is just a, a very kind of strong exec and can provide that advice you know you get it as soon as you can so I kind of regret not having it for the first two years the third year I got an advisor um, who, who, uh, she's still uh, still with us uh, and, um, like, uh, I've used, like, currently, uh, she's like one day a month. Um, we've, I've used her more, uh, and, you know, I've used her, her, her less uh, as well, but she's grown and scaled, uh, uh, an events business and exited it. Um, and you, you know, so just has this great experience as, you know, is a successful entrepreneur, uh, and it's somebody that, you know, I, I can learn from and, and, and speak about like the various number of things from, processes and hiring and hr issues and you know just sort of money and and whatnot it's just you know somebody that's just got that little bit more uh, experience that, than, than i have um and uh, i've kind of also like, flirted with the idea <coughs> of um you know exec coaching as well because you know again i'm like uh you, you know a curious person you know i constantly you know want to learn know that you know i, I can improve and i think you know if we don't you know, if we don't keep learning and improving, then, you know, I'm not going to grow. The business is not going to grow. Um, so, you know, investing in, in myself is, is something that I'm, I'm sort of interested in. And you speak with, um, obviously, within the nature of, of SASDOC and the, the the ecosystem and doing these podcasts and, then, you know, having dinners with the, you know, uh, the, the speakers and entrepreneurs. You know, you see that uh, a lot of like successful people, like you know Mark Organ and you know Matthew Bellows at Yes, where you know a lot of them. I had John Thompson on <clears throat> recently. You know, they've all had exec coaches, like from you know pretty much like their, you know, from the beginning of the business um, and throughout. And you know, these are these are people that I look up to. Uh, you know, and they're getting advice from people that you you know. Um, 
uh, I guess, you know, have, have done it before. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's really interesting to see. And so I think, I think there's definitely value there and something to, uh, to explore. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and like, it can't be like you say, your arrangement sounds more formal than mine. But I think just knowing who you can go to is brilliant, isn't it? Just having a little group that you can talk to is, is fantastic. Also, one thing I probably got wrong sometimes is like when you do meet people more experienced, you think, oh, they're right. I'll just do what they say. Um, and my opinion now has definitely changed. I think it's great to get advice, but it doesn't mean you have to listen to it or implement what's been suggested. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Have you ever, have you ever thought about, um, you know, giving up or, you, you know, uh, has there ever kind of like been that, that period, whether it was like in the, in the early days or, or even sort of, you know, later on, like I'll just, you know, sod it, sell the company or, um, or walk away or no. <laughs> I like how you said that. Why haven't just give up? Why haven't you given up? Um, oh, I think everyone has moments, but I think you, I think everyone has moments regardless of what they're doing, whether they're working for themselves or someone else. Um, some some nights you get in, you just need to go and watch Netflix and go to bed at eight o'clock. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think yeah, everyone everyone has ups and downs. I've never seriously though gone. I think I've come in and gone, oh, that was a terrible day. But I don't think I've ever thought right right I'm gonna quit I don't think that's genuinely passed through my head um but I've yeah you have good and bad days for sure but um do you do you have uh, do you have like a goal are you are you thinking about uh I want to be a 10 million you know a year business I want to be a 100 million I want to be a unicorn like what what is what is your kind of like goal for uh receptive I think um I mean, we obviously do have a have goals and things like that, but I think I'm I'm very practical. I'm very focused constantly on on like product and customers, product and customers, and team, and I keep it very grounded. And in doing so, we're getting the trajectory and the revenue and that sort of thing. So I, I believe that means I'm focusing on the on the right things because, um, yeah, I just want it to be as as successful as it can be, and you know, get an awful lot of pleasure seeing the. The business grow and the team grow and the feedback we get from customers is, is amazing so I just I just want to carry on keep want to keep the product getting getting bigger and better um got all sorts of cool stuff coming out this year um so yeah I'm, I'm more more practical about it I, I think but very you know very ambitious for, for what for what I want to achieve with the company is there I guess it can be sort of you know a big question but you know any sort of particular advice uh you know uh, that you would give to other founders and CEOs of uh, you know SaaS companies SaaS startup um I think just in you know just try and enjoy it like yes we've got a difficult job but I think we're, we're all very very lucky that we even get to you know start a company um I think just keeping grounded like that helps me an awful lot you know you, you think you're having a bad day and then you know you talk to one of your friends who works in A&E or something and uh you know, it gives you a bit of a reality check. So, yeah, it is. It is difficult, but I think just you know, try and enjoy it and remember. You know, we're we're very lucky to be doing what we're what we're doing. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Best advice I'd give, really. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And um, uh, where, where can people find you uh, online and find find receptive as well? And, and what about the podcast? Sure. So, if you go to receptive.io, we've got links to all the resources and podcasts and all that sort of thing on there um and i'm on twitter just at han chaplino um so feel free to to message me on there or or whatever who who owns receptive.com oh <laughs> um it's some it's there's nothing there it's there's nothing there it's, it's like uh some random person owns it and they want like hundreds of thousands of pounds yeah but um, I, I bet i bet <laughs> I bet, I bet they do. But did you hear the? Um, you, you must have heard the, the the teamwork story, Peter Coppinger. No, um, yeah. no oh, I missed that. No, no okay. So, well, so you know teamwork and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah they so they they had the worst uh, like domain name ever. I think it, it was like teamwork pm.net or whatever right mm-hmm. uh, it, it was something like that and yeah. uh, but they they were basically just trying to buy teamwork.com 
for years, like from this guy who was asking ludicrous money. He was like, you know, one day he was asking one and a half million, one day he was asked for a million, etc. And so there was just this posturing and like every now and then, like Peter would email the guy and it's like, how much do you want for, for this? And there'd be a new price like given. Um, then like one day, um, like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably not telling it, you know, 100% how Peter would tell it. But uh, one day, I think, you, you know, Peter just said to the guy, like, how much do you want? And the guy said, like, $675,000, right? Uh, and then Peter, like, spoke to his, his uh, co-founder also, I think, called Dan. And he's like, look, let's just fucking do it, right? Um, and all the, all the money that they had in the bank was 675000 <gasps> Uh So they bought it um, for that with all the money they had in the bank. And that, from that point on, um, uh, because they had teamwork.com, they went on to like the hockey stick sort of traje- trajectory. Uh, and you, you start to see the, the, their revenue growth from that point was, you know, they were out the, the SAS ramp of death and, uh, in, and it went up and to the right. So they, they bet big and, you know, now they're like, a, like whatever, like, you know, 20, 25 million a year uh, annual recurring revenue. So um, yeah. it was a, a bold move. <laughs> uh, Can you imagine if that hadn't worked? Yeah, exactly. like, oh, we've got a domain name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, domain, the domain name's worth 675000 Yeah, it's okay. Uh, we've got the domain. It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, it's a great story, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> No, definitely. And, and Peter tells it better. But um, uh, anyway, on, on that note, um, uh, but yeah, Hannah Chaplin, um, it's always a pleasure um, you know, speaking with you. Thanks for being on uh, this episode of uh, The Struggle. Um, look forward to uh, seeing you, uh, I guess, uh, well, hopefully before SASDOP19. Yeah, thank you so much, Alex. Nice to catch up with you too. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of The Struggle with Hannah Chaplin. I encourage you to check out the episode I recorded with her in 2018, which tells how Hannah approached and sold to enterprises very early on. Don't forget to sign up for the Insider Sale to get early access for our two-for-one tickets for SASDOP19 at sasdop.com forward slash insiders, uh, as limited numbers apply, I think 500 to be exact. Uh, Thanks for listening and see you next time.